Uh, good morning. My name is Daniel, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Central, and I'm really glad that you're uh, with us, connecting, streaming with us this morning. Uh, I do wish we could have been embodied outside together, but uh, weather permits, and so we are here uh, streaming, and so I'm glad you're, you're connecting with us. If you are newer to our community, we really would love to connect with you. Uh, in this time, uh, please let us know that you're here. We are a church that exists for the glory of God and for the good and flourishing of our city. And that's who we are. Uh, we're in a sermon series halfway in. Uh, the series is titled Answering Jesus, taking 12 weeks to look at the questions that Jesus asked. This morning, uh, the question that we're going to be hearing Jesus ask is this, which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? Simply, Jesus is asking, why are you so anxious? Or in other translations, why do you worry? I'm going to use these two words interchangeably this morning, anxiety and worry. But before I jump in, uh, I want to make two uh, preface comments. The first is this. Jesus does not ask this question or any of his questions in order to shame or make one feel guilty. Jesus is not wagging his finger asking, why are you so anxious? He's not heaping guilt and shame upon our anxiety. We will see that this question of anxiety and worry is one that we all can relate to. It's an invitation, just like every question Jesus asks. It's an invitation into deeper, intimate relationship of trusting God. The second comment I want to make is that there is a difference between lowercase a anxiety and uppercase a anxiety. Capital A anxiety is a real mental health disorder that many and a number of you might deal with. And so please don't hear me saying in this sermon this morning that the silver bullet to heal your capital A anxiety is just to have faith. There are great reasons that many need therapy and or medicine to help with anxiety. Well, those two things being said, I will say that anxiety and worry is something that every single person listening deals with. It is the universal disease of our age. It is a major joy killer, and it's a strong power at work within all of our hearts. As children, we worry about making friends as students, we worry about making good grades and getting into the right school. We worry about finding a spouse. We worry about our jobs. We worry about money. We worry about our children. We're tempted to think that once we're older and retired, we will not worry, but we worry over our retirement accounts. We worry over our health. We currently worry about the election. We worry about this pandemic. We worry about the social unrest and economic instability that we all face. As I was writing this sermon on anxiety and worry, I was anxious about my shoulder, which has been hurting me for months, anxious that it would never get better. I was anxious about how we're going to continue to minister as a church amidst the coronavirus. I was anxious about getting into this new building, our new home here with all of the money we need for proper renovations. I was anxious that this sermon would help you with your anxiety. And so we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. It is a passage that is the antidote to our anxiety and worry. And we're going to hear Jesus ask us, why so anxious? And let it be an invitation to trust him. 
And so if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we give attention to the reading of God's word from Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Hear God's word. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The prophet Isaiah tells us that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, for honest, all of us come in with our anxieties and worries and fears. For good reasons, and in a lot of ways, life is hard, life is difficult. And so I pray that this morning you would lead us to trust you. That we would hear you speak to us and that we might leave strengthened and renewed, abiding in you. So in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can have a seat. Well, in 1961, Time Magazine wrote about anxiety in our country. Listen to what they wrote back then. Quote, not merely the stark statistics of murder, suicide, alcoholism, and divorce betray anxiety, but almost any innocent everyday act betrays anxiety, the limp or the hearty handshake, the second pack of cigarettes for the day, the third martini, the forgotten appointment, the wasted hour before the TV set, the new car unpaid for. That was 60 years ago. And anxiety has only increased in our culture. A couple of years ago, I referenced a 2018 New York Times article titled, A Nation of Anxiety. And it was a look at the rise of anxiety on college campuses. And this is what it said, anxiety is a shared cultural experience. With our constant news feed, social media, pressures to perform, all of these things heighten anxiety. One college student said in it that if in 2018 you are not anxious, something is wrong with you. And here we are in 2020, and anxiety continues to rise. 40% of Americans have an anxiety disorder. 40% of girls between the ages of 13 and 17, 30% of boys between the ages of 13 to 17 have an anxiety disorder. In our passage, Jesus says, do not be anxious do not worry. Now, is Jesus telling us to just stop it? Just stop being anxious. Stop worrying. No, that doesn't help at all. It only makes matters worse. 
And if you're like me, at times cynical, I want to say, okay, come on, Jesus. Don't be anxious. I mean, life in the first century, even life around the trinity of the world's concerns, food, drink, and clothing, it, it was just easier in the first century. Life today is way more complicated. One major reason is that we have unlimited options and freedom, even around food, drink, and clothing. I mean, think about food. We, we can go shop at Kroger, Harris Teeter, Target, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's. Think about drink. I mean, today everybody needs to make sure they're drinking their 16 cups of water for the day. So everybody has their canisters of water drinking, making sure they get 16 cups. Coffee. Do we drink Folgers or Starbucks? If we really are coffee connoisseurs, do we drink fourth dimension coffee like cocoa cinnamon? Clothing. Do we shop at Target or Ross or Nordstrom or online? It's not just food, drink, and clothing, uh, but our choice of options and our freedom can be seen in our mobility to change our jobs, our mobility in which community or city that we live in. A podcast that I've been listening to for years now is called uh, This Cultural Moment. It's insights into faith in our current culture. And one of the episodes, Mark Sayers framed our current moment in this way. He said that humanity was created by God to live into three realities, freedom, meaning, community, freedom, meaning, and community, that every person was created to have the freedom to be an individual, to create, to have agency. And every person was created to have meaning based in who they are and what they do. And every person was created to live in community with others, to, to be known and to know others deeply. And if all three of these are barrels, barrels that should be filled, and, and, and if they're filled, then we're living fully as God created us to be. He said that in our Western world, which we are in here in North America, our barrel of freedom is overflowing, driving the point that we prize personal freedom over and above all things often to the neglect of meaning and community. That we are a culture that declares any removal of individual freedom is injustice and oppression. Therefore, every person is free to determine who they are and what they do. Personal freedom even guides our search of meaning and community. We're not a culture any longer that receives meaning and identity from something outside of ourselves, like the family we come from or the faith community that we're a part of or the truths that God declares over us. We now determine our own meaning and our own identity from our insides. This is what freedom means for us today. And the problem with this is that this creates tons of anxiety we are overwhelmed by the crushing responsibilities of freedom. Everything is now placed upon our shoulders to achieve the self's meaning and the identity that we determine. A great movie that depicts this cultural trend is the movie Moana. Uh, our family loves it. Our boys know the lyrics. Moana is a little girl, part of an island community. All of her family's history, all of her people are tied to this island. But Moana is determined to have self-autonomy, to control her own destiny, to create an identity distinct from her community, not just to discover it, but free to create her identity. 
And it makes for a great song towards the end of the movie where she sings, I've delivered us to where we are. I've journeyed farther. I'm everything I've learned and more still it calls me. And the call isn't out there at all. It's inside me. I am Moana. It's a great song. It's a great movie, but it's a horrible life. I mean, the crushing responsibility of freedom. It's a deep fundamental belief that we control our future. And no wonder we're the most anxious society in history. The self-centered life is an anxious life. So Jesus says, don't be anxious. Well, how can we live without worry and anxiety? Two things that I want to point out from Matthew chapter 6. Remember and reorder. Remember and reorder. First, let's look at remember. The Greek word for anxiety means to divide, literally to tear apart. An anxious person is torn to pieces, dismembered, mind, heart, soul, pulled in differing directions. Life pulls us apart. Our mind races about all the things that we need to get done. Things like car inspections and taxes and grocery shopping and flu shots and exams. And our heart races because maybe we hate our jobs or your boss is a jerk or you got a bad, bad diagnosis from the doctor or you're filled with shame and regret and hurt as you reflect on your own past. You've incurred debt that you can't seem to get out of and the myriad of relationships that we all have, like friendships and dating, marriage, children, parents, all of these things make us worried and we're pulled apart. Well, Jesus tells us in verse 26, get your eyes off of yourself. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? In verse 28, he says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God the Father cares for the birds and the lilies, will he not also care for us who is of much more value? Our anxiety, it comes rushing in. When we forget that God is a good father, who cares deeply about us. And so Jesus tells us to open our eyes, to pay attention to the created world so that we can remember our heavenly father is good. As we remember the goodness of our father, our divided, torn apart selves can be put together and made whole. Our mind, heart, and soul united and at rest. So I want to call us myself included, to slow down and pay attention, to open our eyes, to take them off ourselves and to place them on the created world around us, which will help us to remember that if God cares for creation, how much more will he care for us? Look at the birds. I mean, to my knowledge, this is the only hobby commanded in the Bible. Right, we all need to go take up some bird watching, be like my dad, buy some binoculars and look at the birds. Consider the lilies. Let's look at the beauty of flowers. Maybe get into gardening, build yourself a, a raised garden bed. Right? These are just suggestions. The point is to open our eyes and to pay attention, to look at creation, allowing the beauty 
in the realities of creation to rouse our hearts to trust that God is good and he can be trusted. Wendell Berry is somebody who has shaped me, his essays and his poems, and he refers to trees as the tall timber choir. So I've grown to love observing trees. I love walking in the woods over by Duke's campus. I love sitting in our backyard and looking at our trees. I wanna read one of the poems that he wrote from his collection called Sabbath Poems. This is what he wrote, he said, "'What do the tall trees say to the late havocs in the sky? "'They sigh, the air moves and they sway. "'When the breeze on the hill is still, "'then they stand still, they wait. "'They have no fear, their fate is faith. "'Birdsong is all they've wanted all along.'" The trees really are amazing. So where are your eyes? What are you paying attention to? Do you you see and behold how God cares for creation and has promised to care for us? What are you paying attention to? I mean, are you constantly looking at your smartphone, checking out 24-7 news, updating your social media feeds, checking out the stock market? I mean, these things create anxiety. So let me encourage myself and you practically to put away your phones throughout the day. Take time during the day, put them away, disconnect. Take a day a week without your phone and disconnect. Limit your news consumption and your social media presence so that you can lift your eyes, slow down and pay attention to God so that the birds and the trees and the changing leaves and the sunset and the face of a child can remind you that God is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. He can be trusted. I took our two oldest boys to Target this past week for a quick grocery run and and they love going to the store with me because they know they can talk dad into getting them some sugary treats and uh, dad's a sucker. And so of course, as soon as we step into Target, I think they had made a plan in the car or something, they both were asking me, dad, can we get some Fruit Loops? And of course we go get a family size box of Fruit Loops. They, they know they can't talk mom into it all the time, but we get home and Rachel saw uh, the family size box of Fruit Loops and she kind of laughed and looked at me and she goes, they love going to the store with dad. They always come home with good things. If I take great delight in giving good gifts to my children, imagine the pleasure that our heavenly father has in giving us good things. I'm not sure if you saw the Central Youth video that came out this past week. It's a great video. Stephen Broom did it and speaks of the youth ministry in our church and how God's at work. It's a great video. I encourage you to to watch it if you haven't. But in, in the video, Matilda Reich, she said this. She goes, as I've grown with God, I've learned he's caring. He wants the best for you. His words and his ways will guide you. She said, this isn't a verse, but it is a good reminder because sometimes you worry so much that you don't think about how much you have and how much he really cares for you. Oh, that we would have the faith of a child, that we would pay attention so that we would remember God is a good father and he can be trusted. The second thing that we see from Matthew chapter six is not just remember, but reorder 
Look at verse 32. It says the Gentiles or the pagans seek after all of these things. Jesus is saying the pagans, those outside of the faith, seek food, drink, and clothing. But Christians should know life is more than these things. Now, let me just be clear. Jesus is not saying that we all should have bad hygiene. Right? We should all have bad teeth, bad clothes, that we shouldn't have saving accounts, that our motto should be don't worry, just be happy. He's not encouraging a detached, unambitious life. Jesus is saying the pursuit of these things cannot be your all-consuming ambition. Be careful what you prioritize. Be careful what order you place things in. Be mindful what you're really seeking. The more value you give something, the more anxiety can fill your life. I mean, think about money. Money's a good thing. We live off of money. We pay our bills with money. We need money. But what happens when you seek first money? When it's all-consuming, you're constantly checking your checking account, savings account. You're, you're looking, again, at the stock market. It can prohibit generosity. You worry and you fear that you don't have enough or you won't have enough. Take children. Children are a gift from the Lord. Gifts that God has given us to take care of. But what happens if children become too important? If they are first and all-consuming? You can become the helicopter parent, smothering your child, living vicariously through your child, putting your hope in their success and the anxiety that you have about them will be transferred onto them. They will feel it and they will become anxious and you end up hurting your child, harming the one you love the most. We have to examine our hearts. We have to ask what is first in our lives? What is priority? What are we seeking the most? As Jesus tells us in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. There's nothing wrong with ambition. The question is what's your greatest ambition? If your life's ambitions are first, you will be filled with anxiety and worry. But if your greatest ambition is to know God and to make God known. If your greatest ambition is to surrender to a good father and, and to know him and to obey him, to know him in his word and in prayer, to long to see God's kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven through the proclaimed word of God, through, through declaring God in deed. If, if you long to see God at work in your job or at your school, in your recreation, within your family, if these things are first, you will have the peace of God ruling in your hearts and in your minds. And so we have to reorder our lives so that we are in on what God is doing in us and around us and through us so that we're seeking first his kingdom. Let me end by being very practical like Jesus is practical in verse 34. Look at verse 34. Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see, worry and anxiety comes as one is consumed by the future. The consumption of the by the future, always looking towards the future, leads one to a life of worry and anxiety. It's a, it's a life filled with what if, what might be. 
Jesus says, focus on today. Live in the present. Pay attention and remember your good father today. Reorder your life today. God doesn't promise a life without pain. In fact, he tells us today and tomorrow have pain and trouble. He just says today has enough trouble. And so if we live anticipating the troubles of of tomorrow, of the troubles of the future, we're going to worry and get anxious. And the strength that he has given us for today will be zapped away. And our tomorrow and our today will both be negatively impacted. Listen, God is saying my grace and my presence is sufficient for you today. That hard meeting that you have at work, my grace and presence for today. The difficult conversation that you need to have with your roommate or your friend or your family member, my grace and presence for today. That tough and rewarding task of parenting your child, my grace and presence for today. Today, Jesus wants to give us himself. And so let us remember that Jesus was dismembered, ripped away from fellowship with the Father and the Spirit. He took the wrath of the Father as he hung on the cross. He gave up his heavenly throne so that he could be exalted upon a cross and placed into a grave. And he would be left all alone, abandoned, experiencing judgment and hell. And he did this so that we would never be alone so that we can trust him, that no matter what may come, no matter the worst things that happen in this life, our Father loves us. Our Father loves you. He made you. He will provide for you. He is with you. Everything will be okay. So remember, his eye is on the sparrow. He watches over you and me. And reorder because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So let's seek first his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we surrender. Even now, Lord, for those that are, are listening, Lord, there are many things that cause us to be anxious, to be filled with worry. I pray that we could surrender these things to you Maybe there's one dominant thing in our life right now that we can't stop thinking about that makes our minds race and our hearts troubled. Lord, I pray that we would even now pause for a moment and ask, what is that thing? What are these things in our lives that are are filling us with worry and anxiety? And we surrender We give these things to you and we know that you care more about us than we care about ourselves, that we are of more value than anything we might see in creation. And so God, help us to trust that you are a good, good father, so good that you gave your only son. And if you gave us your son, how will you not graciously give us all things? And today, God, help us to reorder our lives around your kingdom and around your kingship to to surrender to you as the king and to seek first your kingdom. I do pray that the peace of God that transcends all understanding 
the peace, the rule, the reign, the shalom of God would guard our hearts, would guard our minds, and you would give us your rest. So in Jesus' name I pray, amen.